great to be here this morning. And as it was Seniors Week this last week, and now that I'm officially a senior, got my seniors card here, uh, we weren't requiring those to get your little torch to come in today, but that's a gift for all our seniors. Um, but I decided to look up some quotes on ageing. And here are three of my favourites. Age is merely a number of years that the world has been enjoying you. As you are getting older, you are increasing in value. like that one. <laughs> and we age not by years, but by stories. That's probably my favourite. One of the things I love about my job is getting to hear the stories of God's goodness from our seniors. And I'd like to invite Cathy Johnson up to share a story that she shared with me a few months ago when I went to visit her. Now, as Cathy comes up now, you may not have met Cathy before. We've had two years of lockdown, and, and through that, uh, I know Cathy was watching online and has continued to watch online because of what she's going to be sharing with you now. So I will now hand over to Cathy, and we'll get this right. So do you want to... Is that okay for you? Yep. Just stand nice and close. Good morning. I just wanted to share with you this morning something that happened in my life back in April this year. One night I went into the kitchen to prepare my evening meal. I'd had a lovely day. I was feeling very well. <coughs> Excuse me. I was feeling very well. And I was just looking forward to the risotto that I was going to have for dinner when all of a sudden I got this severe, sharp pain in my left side. The pain just got worse and worse and I started to feel very, very sick. <coughs> and I didn't understand what was happening to me because all of a sudden I was one moment perfectly well and a little time later I was feeling very, very sick. So I called my daughter Tracy she came immediately and called an ambulance. They felt that I had kidney stones. So they took me to the hospital where they did a scan. When the result of that scan came back, the doctor said to me, Kathy, I've got no idea why you had that pain. She said, your kidney's fine, there are no stones, and there's absolutely nothing there that would cause that severe pain. She said, I'm at a complete loss and I'm sorry, I've got no answer for you. But then she said, we would like to do a scan of your right kidney. The next morning, two doctors came in and they broke the news that I had a malignancy in that kidney. Well, that was a complete shock to me. Somehow I hadn't thought about cancer, but cancer it was. And I didn't feel completely overwhelmed. Sorry, I didn't feel overwhelmed. <clears throat> I just said, Lord, I'm going to put my hand in yours and we'll walk this journey together. And I just felt safe. 
I just knew that whatever was ahead of me, I would be completely safe in God's hands. I then had to go to a urologist who told me that my only option was to have the kidney removed and in so doing, the cancer, if it was still intact, would be gone and I'd be fine. But if it wasn't intact, it would be a completely different story. Then he said to me, just be very thankful that you had that severe pain that took you to the hospital. Because he said the only way that this cancer can be detected is if you have a kidney scan. He said there's no other way. And as I was preparing for today, when you look at things in hindsight, I could really see the hand of God in all of this. So I had the operation, and when the pathology report came back, the surgeon said, the good news is the cancer has been completely contained. He said, and there's no sign of any cancer outside of that area. Praise God. Then I had to um, go and see an oncologist who told me, all is well, the cancer is gone, and there's no need for any ongoing treatment. But then he also said, just be very thankful that you had that scan. And I've got so much to be grateful for, for the wonderful care that I had during that time, for the love and support of my two daughters who were with me every step of the way. They were just wonderful. But I'm eternally grateful to our God. I truly believe that this was a miracle. There is no way known I would have gone and had a kidney scan because I didn't know I had to. I didn't know I needed to. But thankfully, God did. And I believe that that severe pain that the doctors had no, couldn't explain came from God. And I am so grateful to him. I have walked with God now for over 70 years and I have known his wonderful love and care during all that time. He is an amazing God. And I'm now in my 80s and I've got no idea why God has spared my life. But what I do know is that I'll keep my hand firmly in his and I'll continue to walk with him all the days of my life. Thank you. I think I'm going to go and sit down now and um, I don't think I need to say any more. <laughs> but as I've prepared, no, I'm not sure. Just bear with me a minute because I'm not sure. I don't want this slipping down again. Fiddling with this, is that better? Is that all right? Uh, just, no, I'll mention, try and remember to mention that at the end because I don't want to go... I don't want to take anything away from what Cathy said. Um, you know, the impact of our stories uh, is something that the Lord's really been laying on my heart this year. And as I said before, that's one of the biggest joys of my job is getting to hear those stories. And Cathy has many more from her time, and I'm sure many of you have. And hopefully over the games, 
um, through the different generations, you can hear some of those stories. Ask about them. But it's interesting, on Monday morning this week, uh, Leon and I got to head out fishing, which we don't usually do on a Monday these days because usually we're on granddaughter duty. But her dad had the day off, so we got to go out. It was a nice day and the weather was right and all of that, so we got to go out fishing. And on the way to the boat ramp, we were listening to a radio station and it was um, not the one I would normally listen to, but it was just a mainstream radio station. And they were talking about how impactful our stories are. So my ears pricked up. And this lady started sharing a very similar story to Kathy's. It was a diagnosis of kidney cancer. As she shared her story, it was all about how other people were there for her and how those who'd experienced cancer diagnosis um, in the past understood where she was at. But the only mention of God was using his name in vain. Hearing a story like Kathy's, or so like Kathy's, made me consider those who don't yet know Jesus or maybe they know some of the stories of Jesus, how they might understand our passage today. And then as Christians, how do we consider it today? So that first part in Luke 8, uh, verse 16, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. Now, Jesus' disciples would have heard the stories of their ancestors' escape from Egypt and God's leading to the Promised Land and probably understood this verse in relation to the instructions given to Moses by God as they set up the tabernacle in the wilderness on their journey to that Promised Land. In Exodus 25, we hear uh, God saying to Moses, have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. God gave in specific instructions to Moses for the Israelites to carry out in the setting up of the tabernacle. There was then a table placed there and God then went on to say, Then make it seven lamps and set them up on it so that they light the space in front of it. And then in Numbers 8 verses 1 to 2, we hear more of the instructions that God gave to Moses in setting up those lamps. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to Aaron and say to him, When you set up the lamps, see that all seven light up the area in front of the lampstand. You know, light illuminates so we can see things clearer. And it represented God's presence with them. But even before we see the light there in the tabernacle, we see that right at the start of creation, God created light. Genesis 1, verses 1 to 3. And most of you would probably know this and could say it along with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. But what was Jesus really telling his disciples? And how do we consider this passage today? As the lady on the radio shared, and those who don't yet know Jesus, may consider that sharing what they've gone through and showing how others have helped may cause others to consider how they can help others by sharing similar experiences. Now, please don't hear me saying that that's totally wrong. One of my son-in-law's, one of his favourite sayings in going through tough times is, um, a burden shared is a burden halved. But as followers of Jesus and how I interpret what Jesus was saying to his disciples was more about bringing his light into the open and what he has done and what he was about to do for them, just like we heard from Kathy. Remember, Jesus was about to tell them of a new covenant in him and we celebrated that last week with communion. You know, we've all been given different gifts, abilities and life experiences and we accumulate more the older we get. But as ones that have accepted Christ as Lord and Saviour, we are called to a higher calling as we share those life experiences. It's about a personal relationship with the living God and shining his light into a broken world. And I think we would all agree that our world is very broken. It became broken the moment sin entered. But Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus tells his disciples in John 16.33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Today our society has become very me-focused. It's become all about what makes us feel good and to shine our light to make ourselves look good. As I heard the lady on the radio share her story, I could actually recognise God's goodness to her and his protection over her. Now, I don't know this lady personally and it's not my place to judge. But what she shared was more on self-belief and inner strength. I never heard anything that acknowledged the Lord and his light and goodness in her situation. But then again, what we've seen this last week with the brief appointment, it's already been alluded to, that brief appointment of Andrew Thorburn as CEO of Essendon, there's a lot of negativity towards Christianity now. So it's a lot more comfortable to hide our light for Jesus and not put it out there. The footnotes in my study Bible for verse 16 say, although Jesus couched much of his message in parables, he intended that the disciples make the truth known as widely as possible to put it on a stand. And that's exactly what Andrew Thornburn did this week by taking a stand for Jesus and choosing to step aside from the position he was called to as CEO, but not compromise his faith. As I mentioned earlier, as Christ followers, we have a higher calling. But it's actually one that's freeing. 
not like what the Pharisees were living by. And this is exactly why Jesus came, as he knows our hearts and he knew that we could never go on bringing sacrifices to the temple. He willingly came as the once and for all sacrifice of the world and we are all given the choice to accept that personally. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 in the contemporary English version says, But you are God's chosen and special people. You are a group of royal priests and a holy nation. God has brought you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Now you must tell all the wonderful things he has done. This verse is telling us that all who have accepted Jesus' sacrifice for themselves personally are called to share the light Jesus brings to the world around them. And his Holy Spirit is given to us to help us with that. He doesn't leave us on our own. Now, that might be your grandchildren, children, nieces, nephews, neighbours, work colleagues, friends, anyone who God has placed in your sphere of influence. We're in a time now, and it's been for not just since COVID, even before that, that government schools no longer allowed Christian religious education as an option in the classroom. So many of our younger generation only know the name of Jesus Christ as a swear word and are not aware that Jesus is a person you can have a personal relationship with and who can restore and make you right before our creator God. Psalm 145 verses 3 to 5 says, God is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendour of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. A beautiful example of one generation commending God's work to another is the lovely messages that get sent out most days by our lovely sister in Christ, Jean McMullen. Hi, Jean. Photos up there. Um, We haven't seen Jean or Fred for a little while. It's really difficult for them getting out nowadays. But Jean receives these messages from a young woman that her and Fred met in Fiji many years ago. As they got to know her, she shared that she would like to go to Bible college one day. They helped her make that happen uh, here in Australia, and this young woman boarded with them while she attended Bible college. This young woman sends those encouraging messages, like the one up there next to the photo of Jean, sends them daily, and Jean passes them on to around 100 people of different generations within the church and her sphere of influence. Maybe many of you, I won't ask you to put your hand up, but maybe um, afterwards over coffee you can share if you get one, and if you don't, I'm sure Jean would be happy to pass them on to you. Or maybe that other person who gets them can pass them on to you, and that might start another connection, intergeneration connection. When we connect with different generations, we're all blessed as we continue to learn from one another. It's pretty obvious that a lot of the media today do not desire to report favourably on Christianity and truth and Jesus 
um, and Jesus and his disciples faced similar prejudices from the Pharisees and the well-to-do of their day. They were willing to die for the truth. Are we? Or are we even willing to feel uncomfortable for truth? And I know if I'm honest, I'm not always. It is uncomfortable. And I'm not actually talking about being legalistic like the Pharisees in Jesus' day. There's a saying, you'll catch more flies with honey than vinegar. And of course, I'm not really talking about flies here. This is people's souls that are at stake. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word, so God's word, is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. And John, in his gospel, expanded on that. In John chapter 1, we hear, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And I remember the time when I first really understood this passage and understood that Jesus was God. It was actually at Belgrave Heights Convention, an Easter convention. So whenever I go back up to Belgrave Heights, it just brings back those memories. And if anyone needs a lift today, I am going up with my mum to the um, Songs of Praise, so see me after the service. <laughs> Further on in our passage that we've been looking at today, Luke 8, 17 to 18, says, For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed that will not be made known or brought into the, light, into, into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen, Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. We need to consider carefully how we listen because, like the disciples, we hear not only for ourselves but for those he brings into our lives who we have the opportunity to share the truth of who he is, especially the next generation. 
John 14, 12 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. We see God and our relationship with God is restored only through Jesus, not through animal sacrifices or being a good person or giving to charities or any good deeds. Those things will come out of our relationship with Christ. And as we give him the glory, others have the opportunity to come to know his saving grace also. Apart from him, they are all meaningless and only bring glory to ourselves. Many in the world have been blinded and think that because they've not committed murder and they've lived a pretty good life, maybe they've donated to charities. And according to the world standards, um, yeah, they do, they're doing all right. And they think that when they die, they will go to a better place. They may even believe that they will go to heaven. But Jesus, comforting his disciples just before he went to the cross, told them that he was going to his father's house to prepare a place for them and that he would come back and take them to be with him. When Thomas told Jesus that they didn't know where he was going or how they could know the way, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. When we know Jesus personally, we have a peace and assurance of eternity with our heavenly father. When we know Jesus, we are to shine his light as we share the stories of his love, grace, goodness and faithfulness across all generations of those in our sphere of influence as people's eternal salvation is at stake. So I have some challenges for you for this week. Look out for an opportunity to share, uh, share a story of the Lord's goodness in your life with someone that may not know him yet personally. And tell them of the confidence you have in knowing him as the light of the world. And if you're watching, um, if you're here or even watching online and you don't have that confidence, uh, please reach out to one of our pastors or a trusted Christian friend. We'd love to help you discover his light so that you can move forward in confidence. And then another challenge is to pray about and seek out maybe a mentor or someone to mentor now, no one is too young or old to mentor someone below them, unless you're a baby. That's probably the only exception. <laughs> but once you've, you know, the kids at school, you can be sharing with your friends. Those kids that are here, that are hearing, out in kids' church, they can share, they have opportunities to share with their friends that may not get that opportunity because it's not happening in the schools. We all have people in our lives that don't yet know Jesus. So who can you come alongside? Pray about it. Ask the Lord to show you. And maybe there might be a relationship that happens organically after the service today while you're waiting in the coffee line uh, or over the games that are around. 
So as Pete said and challenged, don't seniors sit with seniors and play chess. I think the chess boards are out there or different things. Make sure, look out for someone else that's a different age group from you. And then, uh, as I mentioned at the start of the message, I love hearing people's stories. So I can't wait to hear what our Lord will be doing across the generations here at KSVC and beyond. So please let us know um, just how the Lord's been doing that and what you've been experiencing through that. Let's pray. Father God, you are the light of the world. We give you all praise and glory and thank you for the testimony that we heard from Cathy this morning. We know there are many more testimonies in this room that can be shared and we pray for boldness that we will not hide your light under a bowl but that we will be bold knowing that you go with us that you will give us your confidence as we give you all the glory. We thank you and we love you, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.